Our scripture reading is found in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a parable that Jesus told, a little bit unusual kind of parable. Usually the parables have one main message, uh, but this parable Jesus actually explains to the, to the disciples and to us. If you're willing and able, please stand for the reading of scripture. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all that do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the word of God for a people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you, Russ, and also Janet, uh, our soloist and song leader, and uh, along with David on the organ, uh, we thank Donovan Johnson for uh, joining us on piano today. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, and uh, I just want to thank the Lord for the rain. We needed it, and so thankful it's not snow, right? Uh, and who knew that to change the course of the sun would be such an easy miracle. We just have to adjust our clocks, right? That's all it takes. Uh, and some of you have been hearing news uh, recently about the United Methodists, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, we've known for a couple of years that our denomination was on course to become two. Um, we expected that to happen last fall, but then COVID Delayed General Conference, which is the international meeting uh, where that decision will be made. Well, now COVID's going to delay it again uh, until August of 2022. And after that, uh, the plan stands now, 
each local church will have a couple of years to decide which denomination he wants to be a part of. One denomination will retain the name United Methodist Church. The other will adopt the name Global Methodist Church. And for some congregations, choosing that affiliation is just going to be easy, a no-brainer for them. But for most churches, and I believe including ours, it will be somewhat challenging. And while the same-sex question is the presenting issue, I do not see this as a one-issue decision. There will be many differences between the two denominations. And I'm already uh, in conversation with pastors in our area about how to best lay those things out for you. And in the months leading up to a general conference in 2022, I want to have some gatherings um, where we can learn about all this and we can pray together. And while uh, every Faith Westwood member will one day have the opportunity to vote on our future, my hope is that when it's all over, we're all still going to be here at Faith Westwood, even if the vote didn't go the way we hoped it would. Let's pray, shall we? Oh, Lord, you are the source of all truth and wisdom. You are the fount of all love and compassion. Lord, lead our denomination as it seeks peace through separation. Guide Faith Westwood as we embark upon an unknown future. Give us love for those with whom we disagree, and most of all, help us listen to you. And now, Lord, as we we bow before you, eager to receive your word and spirit, renew our minds, transform our lives, that we may love you for who you truly are. In the name of Jesus, who reigns over all, amen. Well, today is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and, my, uh, and then also of our series, This is Jesus. And my goal is that each one of us will come to know Jesus in a fresh way, and that will help us become more and more his deep, daring, daily disciples. Uh, a little bit ago, Russ read for us the parable of the seeds and the weeds. Uh, did you remember that one? It's not as well known, is it? Good seed is sown in the good soil, and we expect a great harvest. Verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Side note, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. In the other three gospels, Jesus uses the phrase kingdom of God but they mean exactly the same thing. Kingdom of heaven may be the more original phrase. It would be be a very Jewish way of saying it. And the other gospels are written for audiences that include Gentiles who maybe wouldn't quite get what kingdom of heaven means, so they translate what Jesus meant, which is kingdom of God. So what is it? What is this kingdom? that Jesus announces, let me tell you. The kingdom is life with God in charge. It means that God's reign has begun, God's rule is breaking into the world, and one day it will be complete. 
The kingdom is life with God in charge. Will you say it with me? The kingdom is life with God in charge. You know, Jesus had a lot to say about the kingdom, and he usually did it in parables. Today's parable, he also gives us a warning. I remember uh, years ago, I should have been thinking about this warning. I was starting a new church, and I had a vision that, that this church would, that every member would be a, a genuine believer with orthodox beliefs and a compelling testimony. But there was this guy in our church whose beliefs, I just worried that maybe they were not orthodox enough to fit my vision. And I told him that he wasn't ready yet to be a member. You know, looking back, I realized it was not about him. It was about me. I did not want to give up this ideal. Maybe, and I didn't even know if I really had it, but knew that I had it, but it was like this ideal of a pure church. And I worry that in that case, I may have done more harm than good. So here's how I would summarize Jesus' warning, and it's, it's the heart of the message for today. We do damage to Jesus' people when we get overzealous about separating who's in and who's not. I think that's what this parable is about. Let's say it together, shall we? We do damage to Jesus' people when we get overzealous about separating who's in and who's not. So here's the story. Farmer sows good seed, in good soil, the rains come, the seed sprouts. Then in verse 25, the plot thickens. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. The enemy comes at night, very sneaky, scatters weed seeds in the wheat field. How dastardly almost as bad as canceling the Oklahoma game. <laughs> now, if the weeds were dandelions, as soon as they sprouted, you'd know right away that this broadleaf does not belong in, with the grassy wheat. But this particular weed is also a grassy plant. The Greek word uh, used here is specifically for a weed called darnel, sometimes calls, called poison darnel, it looks like a, a wheat at first until it develops kernels, which are, all, which are black. But by then, it's impossible to separate the darnel from the wheat because the stronger darnel roots wrap themselves around the wheat roots. So the farmer tells the servants, don't pull up the weeds. If you do, you'll destroy the wheat. And then in verse 30, the farmer says, let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the har at that time I will tell the harvesters first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn. So that's the plan. Uh, it'll be a lot of extra work for the harvesters, won't it? When when they cut down all of the plants, they'll have to separate the darnel from the wheat by hand. But it's the only way to save the crop. 
You know, I'm not surprised that the farmers want to burn the weeds. You know, growing up on the farm, we used to cut down musk thistles in the pastures, but first we cut the blooms off and carefully put those into a burlap bag and then burned them so that they wouldn't spread their seeds. Jesus told uh, many parables about final judgment and often portrayed it as a time of separating, separating grain from chaff, separating sheep from goats, separating wise from foolish, separating wheat from weeds. We know all about separating, don't we? We do that kind of stuff all the time. We separate laundry. Whites, colors, darks. We separate the silverware. You don't just throw it all in one big mess. Separate the knives, forks, and spoons. You know, a few years ago, I, I, I walked into my bank with a, with a jar of coins and discovered that they'd gotten rid of their coin counting machine. They had me a stack of paper sleeves instead. So I went home and I, and I poured out my coins on the table, separated the pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters, and I stacked them into the sleeves, crimped down the edges, took them back to the bank. Judgment is kind of like that. It's a time of separating. And that day will come, and until then, we must not do what only God can do. Why? Because we do damage to Jesus' people when we get overzealous about separating who's in and who's not. Once you start yanking up weeds, you're going to be yanking up some good plants as well. Now, this parable, as Russ alluded to, is, is, an, is an allegory, which is probably why Jesus explains it. Verse 37 going into verse 38, uh, Jesus says, The one who sowed the seed is the Son of Man, which is... Jesus himself, the field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. So you who belong to Jesus, he's saying you are good seed. That feels good, doesn't it? You are good seed. Everywhere you go, Jesus is sowing you into the world. You live out the kingdom, which means you live with God in charge. Then Jesus tells us who the enemy is. He says the weeds are people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. Jesus is telling us, I believe, that the devil is a real being. He's not God's equal, but he is a potent enemy. Satan is a rebellious spiritual being waging war on God's people and purposes. Now, some people uh, would say that maybe considered unfashionable to believe in Satan. I, I think it is very important to believe in Satan as a being for two reasons. First, without Satan, we're left saying that God is the one primarily responsible for all the evil and suffering in the world. And that is not a Christian biblical belief. Second, if we don't remember that Satan is the ultimate enemy, what do we end up doing? We end up pointing to other people as the ultimate evil. And that's not right to do either. But Jesus is saying that people who oppose God's will will masquerade as people of the kingdom. 
which means right here in church. And that can be a problem. The church is never is not pure. The church has never been pure, and the church will never be pure until the great separation at the end of the age. Until then, we just have to wait. Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. So at the end of the age, the wheat and the weeds will be separated. And if I try to do it now, I'm going to do more harm than good. That's one reason why at, at Faith Westwood we observe what we call open communion. That means you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of any church to receive communion here. You don't, you don't have to get prior approval from me. My job is to make it clear that Jesus invites all who receive him by faith. And it's not up to me to decide if, if your faith is genuine. I mean, if I took that on, I would turn people away from Jesus rather than turning them toward him. And that's why he issues this warning. Don't try to pull up the weeds along with the wheat. If you do, you may end up with a, a field really clean of weeds, but you won't have any wheat left either. You won't have any church left either. We do damage. We do damage to Jesus' people when we get overzealous about separating who's in and who's not. Jesus is saying, let, let me handle it. Let me and my angels handle it. You just keep doing your job. You just keep being the good seed. Living out the kingdom in the world. In verse 49, uh, which goes with a similar parable, Jesus says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. You know, if it were up to me, I would have weeded out all of Jesus' 12 original disciples. <laughs> no good, look at them. Their faith is weak, their egos are inflated, but Jesus sees something in them. Jesus sees them as redeemable. I'd be no good at it, would I? I'd be no good at separating the weeds from the wheat. Only God can perfectly balance justice and mercy. And then in verses 40, 41, Jesus talks about burning the weeds. He says, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. In that kingdom, in that future kingdom, there will be no more weeds, no more sin or evil, no more fear or suffering. There will be no room for that in the kingdom. There'll be plenty of room for sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. There'll be plenty of room for those that God cleanses from their sin. What about people who don't want to be cleansed from their sin in this life or the next? What if they don't want to spend eternity in a place where God is fully in charge? Jesus says they won't have to. You know, the way I figure it, hell is for people who would be miserable in heaven. Make any sense to you? And, and it breaks God's heart to let them go. Only with great reluctance will God let them spend eternity apart from him. 
And yet, I imagine that in God's eternal kingdom, we're going to be surprised to see certain people there. How did they get in? And they'll be just as surprised to see us. So I would say, be ready to be surprised. Because God can see a kernel of faith we cannot see. God can hear a prayer of repentance we cannot hear. God can discern a desire for grace that we cannot discern. So I would say it's worth saying one more time, we do damage. This is the warning. We do damage to Jesus' people when we get overzealous about separating who's in and who's not. Now, we have two more verses to look at. And the next one might make you uncomfortable. In verse 42, Jesus talks about those who are weeded out. He says, they, the angels, will throw them, the weeded out people, into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we have to be careful when we read Jesus' description of the afterlife apart from God. Here, he is continuing his metaphor about burning weeds. If he were talking literally about throwing people into a blazing furnace, then everyone else would be literally gathered into barns. I don't think that's what he's talking about. The fact that Jesus uses a variety of images for the afterlife apart from God is a clue to to see them as metaphors. Outer darkness and blazing furnace, they cannot both be literal. And I don't think they were meant to be. I cannot give you the details of the afterlife apart from God. I can say, uh, especially from the phrase uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth, is that it will be a place of sorrow and regret. And since we're kind of in the neighborhood, what about people of other religions? Will they be wheat or weeds? My answer is, I don't know, probably some of both. And God will have to sort that out. Now, I respect people of other faiths. I love them. I know some. uh, But that doesn't mean that I'm shy about proclaiming Jesus as the Lord and Savior of the world. Jesus wants people of all nations, he says, to become his disciples. So I do my job. The rest is up to him. Our last verse. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Oh, I want to be there, don't you? I want to be one of the righteous, cleansed from my sin. I want to shine like the sun in our father's kingdom. Do you want to be there? And so I say to you, don't break God's heart. Jesus is calling you. He's saying, follow me. He's saying, I don't call perfect people. I call sinners who need a Savior. Follow me. Belong to me. Be one of mine. And then he says, I am sowing you into the world. And in the age to come, I'm going to gather you up 
and bring you back home in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I hear you calling. Count me as one of yours, Lord. Whatever faith I have, I put in you. I put my life in your hands. Lord, I long for the day when you will bring me home. I want to belong to your people on the day when the, the righteous will shine like the sun. In the meantime, Lord Jesus, sow me into the world as one of your good seeds. Let me be full of grace and truth. Give me wisdom to know my place and to leave the separating to you. In your name we pray and all God's people said, Amen.